Hello, and welcome to CAA Conversations. I'm here today with Sarah G. Sharp and Kara Hearn, and we're going to be discussing what sort of training do artists across disciplines who want to use video need? A little bit more about both of these people. Sarah G. Sharp is an assistant professor at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, where she coordinates the foundations program and teaches graduate courses. She is also regular faculty at the Art Practice MFA program at SBA in New York, where she teaches time-based media courses. Kara Hearn is the Assistant Chair of Film and Video at Pratt Institute. She is a video artist who often performs in her work. For better or for worse, she is probably best known for a video from 2005 in which she reenacted a scene from E.T. alone in her apartment. So without further ado, I'm going to hand the conversation over to these two. Great. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, I think in our sort of discussions, um, as we were thinking about this podcast, we had kind of like two central questions that we kind of um, developed. And one is like thinking about... Um, how uh, learning time-based media and video at the foundation level then kind of flows into siloed majors. Um, and then one of the other things we were talking about is how to integrate and think about video and media and time-based media stuff um, as a tool, as an art tool, um, now that it's just this kind of mundane part of daily use for everyone and it's so accessible. And I think also that I teach at a state university and Kara's at, a, at Pratt at an art school. So we also have different kinds of ways that these things like um, intersect and different students with different backgrounds, I think. I mean, Kara, you and I talked about this and this is one of the things that I was thinking about earlier today. And that has to do with, like we talked about a kind of media literacy and I'm not, I don't know, I think it fits in in different ways in different programs. But I was thinking that like in order to have, for example, a sculpture major or a painting major successfully integrate video um, and film work, uh, you know, one of the key ideas is maybe that they need to relate that back to how time interacts in their kind of area. Um, and that maybe like a larger, maybe kind of like a, like, you know, media semiotics um, and a media a literacy program seems kind of key to that, like to be able to pull apart the different meanings of the different medias that they're using, especially if they're not working within a tradition of cinema or a specific tradition of video art. Right, definitely. I mean, we one thing that we think about a lot here, so I'm in, I'm in the film department and there is a fine arts department that has a, a sculpture concentration and we have a lot of students in sculpture who are interested in developing, you know, who are interested in working with video basically. Um, and and so I've, I've worked a lot with the coordinator of the sculpture department to to find ways to you know bring bring those students in and talk about the best way for them to get the the kind of training they need and, and discussing too like what is the extent of training that they need do they just need 
a basic introduction to the production skills or do they do they actually need to go through a sort of more you know extensive film curriculum um, that so that they have like all of the tools that they might possibly need um, and then on the other end we have a handful of film majors um, who are really interested in working in experimental ways um, who seem to be you know kind of pushing up against the traditional training and um, in narrative and documentary who might benefit from a more like a critique environment that they have in the sculpture department so we've worked uh, the coordinator Analia Siegel and I have worked together to try to find ways to bridge the gap between these silos that are kind of in place and I understand it from an administrative perspective the necessity of the silos um, but from a creative um, perspective in this and this is the case in my own work too it, you know it, they're kind of arbitrary boundaries that have to be bridged in creative ways I guess yeah I think um, similarly um, I coordinate the foundations area at UMBC and, and then I teach in the graduate program and I uh, teach at SCA in this graduate program and so of course with graduate students the question of silos in many programs is like not really a concern but at the foundation level um, we kind of you know divide our curriculum up based on sort of gathering different skills and then you know we send them off into their um, areas but exactly as you said creatively um, having these kinds of limitations doesn't really um, work. So we're kind of always thinking about how to, I guess, talk about the larger questions like time, right? So like in printmaking and bookmaking, how does time exist and how can that translate over into video? Um, and our, the visual arts department at UMBC is, you know, we're within like a state university within a larger humanities program. So, um, and we, you know, just have several hundred students. So it's a little bit easier for us to maybe attend to kind of individual student needs in that way, I think, um, and to be a little bit more fluid across um, majors um, and then at the same time we also have like for example in the building that we're in there's a media and communication studies department so we can kind of send our students off to these other like um or like a gender and women's studies course you know off to these other sort of um areas in the humanities or science um, and we don't necessarily have to like attend to that in our curriculum exactly right that's great yeah mm -hmm. yeah and similarly here and I, I actually, as an assistant chair, one of the things I like to do is just meet with students regularly to make sure they're, you know, engaged in their education and um, kind of choosing classes in a really conscientious way. And it's, so I, I like it, and we don't teach a lot of, we teach a little bit of theory embedded in all of our courses and we have a film analysis class, but um, but they're really, you know, the media studies people are really the place to go for that. Um, right. So it's, it's, it seems like the, it has to be done through advising, really. Um, yeah. And I, I also, though, I mean, I, I teach like a, a foundations level time based media class. And I really struggle with that because I, um, 
I also want them to read and I, you know, I want to have this kind of fluid seminar production, but we don't really have time for it in the um, curriculum. So yeah, trying to use the other things that are present in the humanities part of our university has been really helpful. Right. Yeah. And I wonder if having, because I think one thing we're, we always are trying to work on is just you know, getting students to really engage with the reading in, mm-hmm. a, in a production class. Like, I think if, when they're in a theory class, their, you know, their expectations are set up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, did we address the, the media literacy aspect of it? I said I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> so, um, do you want to add to that? Because I think that's kind of key in some ways. Yeah. I think I and, and I do too, and and I I come from a media literacy background, and um, and it, in some ways, like film school or film training or some, you know, is is a sort of um, hands on hands on media literacy project, right? Um, because you're learning how to deconstruct media and figuring out how it's made and making your own. Um, right. So it happens in a kind of natural way, but to have the you know, the critical thinking and the uh-huh. sort of larger corporate culture, I guess, included um, is, is really great, too. And I think there's something about really developing a language around, like, dividing out the, the difference between what and the simil- and the cross points of, like, crossover and confluence of, like, what's happening in pop culture, what's happening on YouTube, what's happening like, um, you know, on Instagram and Snapchat and then what's happening at the cinema. And I, and I know I don't mean to collapse all of those things, but I think like really consciously like developing a language around that stuff um, and the kind of sign systems present um, seems so important. And it's also kind of like important for me. I you know, keep getting older. And I think a lot about the kind of digital divide where I'm sort of at the bridge, you know, I'm not um, a total like digital native and my students totally are. And so some of those meanings and sign systems are very different for them than for me. So, um, and I, Carrie, you and I were actually talking about this recently, like this kind of, um, our students are really into using VHS like half inch tape right now and the sort of aesthetics of that but maybe don't you know they they have a handle on what those aesthetics mean for them but it means something quite different for those of us who've been producing media for a while um so i think like developing that language just seems like this kind of key way to be able to use media thoughtfully across disciplines right i mean i would do you actually have any because I'm, I'm, te- I, we were talking about this too, and, but uh, I'm teaching an intro class in the fall, and it's, mm. and I haven't taught yet at Pratt. I taught a few years ago before I took this job, but, um, but I wonder if you have any tips because I was thinking mm-hmm. that's that's what I was thinking on the way to work today about, you know, the sort of the the blessing and the curse of of mm-hmm. being it with video and film these days is that students know it so well mm-hmm. it's such a deep part of their bodies that um right they're really not they're they're knowledgeable but you have to kind of 
um, provide a critical framework so that they're not just mimicking things that they see all the time. And when they're when they come into the program, that's like the biggest battle. It's kind of getting them to work in a innovative and in creative way instead of just replicating things that they've seen or have loved themselves. Yeah, I think I totally agree. That's really a challenge. Um, I have this great, I have an assignment that I really like that was, um, I sort of built on an assignment that um, was made by a colleague of mine named Lisa Morin, where I, we look at fluxus and then we look at sort of like other examples kind of in the realm of new media that similarly um, score like mundane life. Um, Mm -hmm. And that I try to like, you know, I mean, this is kind of based on like me guiding a conversation and a bunch of sort of analysis of other work, but I try to get them to really consider what their mundane life is and like yes they still I don't know apply lotion and put their shoes on but they also spend all of this time in this screen world and it's a public space and so you know I I think um, that's one of the things I try to do and this is at the foundation level Uh is to um, sort of talk about these like historic time-based processes or you know work specific movements or works of art and then try to really get them to um, sort of relate it to their daily experience. And it's also a question for me because I need them to tell me about their daily. I mean, I have a sense of it, but you know, like I, um, it's also like investigation for me to learn about how they're spending their time and what they think about. Um, and then I, you know, with my, with graduate students, um, I, I often, they have such a broad range of technical skills. Um, I think that's also one of the keys with my grad students is making sure that the technology that they're using um, is just connected back to their practice and really supports the content instead of just sort of like fetishizing the hot new tech. Um, Not that, you know, that's also fun, but um, (laughs) to kind of, you know, really get them to connect that to their practice. But that, you know, that's a different sort of thing, I think. Yeah. So you think? Do you think then that the that the, the technical requirements that just should vary student to student? Like it can't be kind of be dictated. My, do you yeah. Think, I, I mean, with my grad students, absolutely. Yeah. Did you have more? I feel like I cut you off. Did you have more of a? Well, yeah. I wonder. It might be different for. Yeah. You know, undergrads. Um, yeah. I mean, we, in our sort of like foundation level 4D class, um, uh, we we have a set of standards because some of my students go into a cinematic arts major or an animation major. And um, even like in design, we have a sort of set of basic like um, best practices, you know, technical best practices. We all use the Adobe suite. But I, um, my students often come in with their own DSLR cameras, for example. Um, and while we teach them to use other sort of higher end cameras that the school owns, this is the sort of tool that they're going to use a lot. So I, I go back and forth on it, but I often let them use their own camera and they're just required to do a little bit of research if I don't happen to know the menu system by heart, you know? Right, sure. Hmm. That's interesting. How do you guys do that in your program? I'm sure you have a much more 
standardized way of working. Yeah, well, it is. So yeah, students are, our students come in in like wildly different levels. I mean, it's probably similar to what you're dealing with in a foundation with, you know, just a diversity of interests and majors, but um, some of them have never touched a camera before and some of them have been, you know, making films since they were yeah. five, five years old. Um, so so we, we actually have a new, um, we revised the BFA this past year and it's starting in the fall and we, we have a class where we kind of pulled out the, we basically created a boot camp for our freshmen mm. where the technical, there's like a technical course that covers everything technical in great depth so that those who have a lot of experience will still be, have room to be challenged. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a conceptual course that is just, you know, purely about digital storytelling concepts and uh -huh. the different modes of filmmaking, you know, narrative, documentary, and experimental. Um, uh -huh. So it'll be interesting to see how that that works. But it was, you know, designed to address this sort of thing about not enough not enough time in, the, yeah. in one course to kind of go in, in yeah. depth and meet everybody's needs. Um, but it's, you know, but on the other hand, uh, that has, that creates a, a situation where we have these courses that are really geared toward film majors and, um, and it used to be a course that was kind of open to all majors and there were photo students and fashion students kind of mixing together. So there's, you know, there's sort of interesting challenges to sort of that sort of segregation kind of. Yeah. Right. Returning to the silo, the pros and cons there. That I, yeah, absolutely. Right. Having, you know, in my case, in like my foundations classes, I'll have someone who's minoring in visual arts but might be majoring in biology or computer science, um, which I welcome, or gender and women's studies, as I mentioned before, like, which I really welcome because there's this kind of flood of content that comes in that's yeah. like yeah. totally great. But um, there's also maybe different levels of kind of investment and um, and technical skill that they're coming in with. So the boot camp idea sounds kind of great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they're you know they're like freshman film majors, and they're they're like I think that we the way it was before it was. Yeah, just like a small portion of their time was in their film class, and they just want to like come and devour all things film. Right. Yeah. You know, start start making their masterpieces. <laughs> and then they they get to kind of create a cohort in a great way. Like it's like you know a nice way for them to connect, probably. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, but it is it is it's a little. To me, it's a little sad because I I'm so all about interdisciplinary practices that it's yeah you know, sort of closing up. But we also have a film minor in that, and mm -hmm. we we've been able to kind of bring in students who are doing the film minor into those courses. So it'll there'll still be some cross pollination. Yeah, that we have several minors in that kind of I, and just probably the nature of being at a state university where we have students transferring in just from other colleges within the university. Um, we have that 
kind of component, which is really great. Um, and then art, you know, we have this sort of opposite challenge of like trying to create this identity as like the art school and the art students and really, you know, coming um, right. yeah. from that kind of place. Yeah. That's a, yeah. So, but you do have sort of, you have students that are, yeah, that are coming there for to do, to study art or do they kind of? Oh yeah, no, we do. We have, uh, I mean, the other great thing about being at a university like this is that we, we have like a fellowship and scholarship program that's for um, arts majors coming in as freshmen and they have their own kind of course that they, so the film majors who get this scholarship will commingle with dance and music and drama majors. Oh, cool. um, so there, you know, there, it, there's all these kinds of expansive resources. Um, our uh, film students can take a, a course in like theater tech and lighting and then have access to set design. So, you know, there's this, great fluidity that if you really, you know, if you work it, you can really um, have access to uh, a lot of things outside of just the department, which I think is really great. Yeah, that is great. That is yeah. Cool. I would love to hear more about, you mentioned the semiotics and then Kara asked like for a little bit more specificity on it. And I don't know if I just got lost in the flow of the conversation, mm -hmm. but is that is that specifically something you're developing, Sarah? Um, I would say that because I also, like Kara, have a background in teaching um, like entry-level media studies or digital culture kind of stuff, um, that's always, that's sort of been part of my teaching and I still, I mean, I think it probably comes out more clearly in my graduate classes, um, but I my sort of thought, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if I said this before exactly, but like Kara and I were talking about how our students are really into like half inch VHS tape and, and then we we're talking about like hand process super eight and all of the kind of like different um, significations that those medias have and that they mean something different to our students than they do to us, right? The nostalgia connected to half inch VHS is like, for me, it was like this really bad tech, right? And like, <laughs> so great when um, we like started to get higher definition video or, right? Um, and so for them to sort of, to be able to develop a language around just like those differences and where that kind of signification um, might be located for 20 year olds who are from America or whatever, right? Versus um, like their professors or their parents, right? To just sort of like start developing that kind of language around how these different um, media processes are located and how it can be sort of fluid amongst other people, right? Like, that there isn't just one fixed meaning, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, seems like a really important um, component to like teaching media in a fluid way where you yes you can use you can shoot video on your iPhone and I'll teach you how to compress it so that you can edit it with things that um, with you know nicer like HD video shot on this DSLR camera we have but to understand that they have different kinds of cultural references. I don't, does that answer your question Ellen? It does. Or is that... Yeah okay. and I think what, where I got confused at first was the first time 
it was mentioned. I didn't know if you were developing your own set of mm. concepts or terms or something like that, but it sounds very much like you're applying the system of semiotics to specifically the media video studies kind of thing and pointing it out, highlighting it for the students. Am I interpreting that? Yes, I guess it's sort of like um, an argument for like theory being mm -hmm. part of a studio class or definitely like like part of a curriculum and sort of integrated into even just kind of critique. You know? mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And then I would bring it back around to the overarching topic of what sort of training do artists across all disciplines who want to use video need? Did Was there any consensus in any of your conversations, like in, in terms of like, were you able to boil it down to a couple things or a few core concepts or competencies, et cetera? I mean, I actually think the media literacy thing was one of the things we agreed on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and, and I would connect also like a sort of semiotic understanding of media to that. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, I think beyond that, in, in my experience, it's, it has to be personalized in a way, mm -hmm. you know, depending on the student's mm -hmm. interests. Like, we have students who can kind of work within the film curriculum, and then we have other students who just need to move into sculpture and make video there, and um, it seems like it has to be personalized as much as I would like to try to find a way to systematize it. Absolutely. Well, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of us, especially if you have any um, administrative roles and things that have to do with assessment and so forth, mm -hmm. <laughs> these, this urge or desire to quantify it and box it up, make it clean, it right. can become really pervasive. And I think your overarching question of, you know, what sort of training across disciplines do people who want to use video need? is a lovely slip slippery question you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well great i mean i i think it requires like um really flexible and attuned like faculty and staff basically mm -hmm. right so that and administration so that you you said it comes back to advising like yeah all of those things right so we can sort of point individual students in the right direction yeah definitely I, I had another question for you for you Sarah about the what you're saying about critique mm. do, you, do you think that is that is that like kind of automatically embedded in in a, just a thoughtful critique process the the semiotics and media awareness that you're talking about I hope that it is and I think I try to sort of guide crits in a way that include those things you know that maybe um, reading or lecture stuff is like supported in the language of the critique. Right. Um, and I think it works out really differently at the foundation level than obviously upper division or with graduate students. Yes, yeah, cool. And yeah, I think I was just thinking about, because I think I, I think I want you to give me like a reading list that will help. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> and the, and it, but it is like, because I have media literacy from the, t from the time before, you know, before the computer, before, from the 90s, basically. And, and it does, it all feels like kind of, not completely irrelevant, but um, 
but yeah, this this sort of landscape. And I love the way you talk about it with the you know that it's it's not like a wrong perspective, but that they just have a different experience having grown up with right. constantly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where like actually because like semiotic theory is based on language right so like going like I think um right thinking of them all as different languages and fluid and you know I think that it also gives students like an entry into sort of like what you had mentioned before Kara like um that they are so richly intelligent already in the world of media they just may not be able to kind of name it or contextualize it more broadly yet and if they can connect back to just, you know, it's like learning to look in a drawing class to learn to see where, how this media operates in their daily life, I think, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that is timeless, I guess, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been really great. Thank you both so much for this fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ellen. Thanks, Sarah.